Are dogs delicious? Mm. Do they taste yummy? This is one of the many questions we'll be asking on today's Liberty Podcast, you lucky people, with Tom Laird and Anthony Samro, the Madcap and Cap. <laughs> Episode 54. Episode 54 already. And uh, as you know, last week we asked, was Sam Harris talking out his arras? <laughs> this. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we got to grips with that one. Today, By the way, thank you to everyone who tweeted our last podcast on the theme of Sam Harris to Sam Harris. If you haven't yet tweeted to Sam Harris, please get on Twitter and do it for us. Thank you. Today, our dog's delicious. Um, we're also going to be discussing, is Jeremy Corbyn mad, bad, or dangerous to know? I think I'm going to lead with this one today. It's an article in the Sunday Times, the 2nd of July. Rogue SAS unit accused of executing civilians in Afghanistan. Um, and if it turns out to be true, it could be mega, you know, because, uh, as you know, there's been investigations into uh, Abuses in Afghanistan and Iraq before, most of them have been actually proven to be false. Sort of ambulance chasing lawyers uh, trying to, you know, make a buck out of uh, out of basically taking soldiers to court. Um, and this has kind of got a resonance for me because I'm an ex-soldier. But I'm going to read you some. It says, claims of cover-up as Afghan investigation is wound down. Members of Britain's Special Air Service are alleged to have covered up evidence that they killed unarmed Afghan civilians in cold blood and falsified mission reports and a potential war crime scandal that the government has tried to keep secret. Who would have thought the government would try to keep something I secret? I mean, imagine that. Yeah. The allegations have emerged in a classified multi-million pound Royal Military Police Investigation, Operation Northmoor, which has been run from a secret, secure underground bunker in Cornwall, it ain't secret anymore, for the past year and a half. Senior poli uh, military police and defence sources with a detailed knowledge of the investigation have said that evidence gathered of war crimes by the SAS is credible. Part of the inquiry is said to have focused on a particular SAS squadron, which has been described as a rogue unit. Um, a source close to Operation Northmore says there's strong evidence that unarmed Afghan civilians suspected of being Taliban insurgents were murdered rather than captured during night raids on their homes. In one 2011 case under investigation, special forces soldiers are alleged to have handcuffed and hooded some of the victims before later shooting them dead. Um, it goes on to say, the source said there was a desire in the MOD just to make it go away. Sure. He believes, yeah. He believes officials were desperately trying to avoid any of the detail of the accusations getting into the press and thereby yeah. undermining their view of national security, public trust, and work with allies. A senior Whitehall source revealed that the MOD and the Army's most senior generals had regarded the evidence of mass executions emerging from Operation Northmore as quote, credible and extremely serious. The source said that it has been seen as potential disaster for the government, so there were attempts to keep it under control by reducing the scale of the investigation. Right. Uh, and I'll just finish up on this part here. Johnny Mercer, a Conservative MP, who served with Special Forces in Afghanistan, okay, it says served with them, I don't know if he actually was in them, uh, led a parliamentary inquiry that recommended shutting down the Iraq war crimes investigation, which he described as a witch hunt based on spurious allegations from lawyers. But he said that the serial murders evidence appears different. He added, if UK service personnel come forward to blow the whistle on behaviour on operations that they are not comfortable with, military leadership has a duty to deal with that in a fair but very firm manner. We must be clear that unlawful behaviour is not acceptable. I hope my efforts to protect our servicemen and women from spurious claims has not been used as a cover to legitimise unprofessional behaviour and operations. I don't know, I hate that expression, unprofessional. Right. I mean, what does that mean? I guess Adolf Eichmann was extremely professional. Um, so, yeah. Okay. And the, the unlawful as well. It's like, who's setting up the law? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We're not even sure if the war itself is lawful. Um, well, exactly. In some regards. I mean... The reality of this situation, I mean, you're going to obviously yeah. let us in on the inside no, scoop. No, please do. But we've just gone into this country, right? Most uh, very threadbare grounds. Um, they weren't the hijackers on 9 11 didn't originate from Afghanistan. Broadly mm. speaking, most of them were from Saudi Arabia, right? Mm. These are just random people, just random people that are kind of poor and live in a very 
um, backwards country. And, you know, people from, it's basically the equivalent of aliens coming from outer space with superior technology landing in Scotland and like um, killing a bunch of us. Yeah. Right. And trying to impose their values. Yeah. Because, you know, um, they looked at what our government did in Iraq and Afghanistan and said their government's a bunch of war criminals. Yeah. So we're going to come in and then, you know, ex extrajudicially killing of civilians because, you know, a judicial killing of civilians by uh, enemy occupying forces. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like aliens coming from outer space and, and you know, tasing you and your, yeah. you know, your loved ones. Yeah. It's... Well, okay, let's let's start from the from from the beginning. This one, okay. I served in Northern Ireland, as you know. Uh, there was a whole kind of dirty war going on undercover in Northern Ireland at that time as well. And you know, this is this is the inevitable consequences of going. Whenever you get involved in a war, it's a myth to think. You know, it's just not some sort of healing comedy, you know, where soldiers go about with like, you know, their, their tin hats and a jaunty angle on their head and smoking woodbines and being cheeky chappies, right? It's, this, is, this shit is real. So you get involved in a war, this kind of stuff is an inevitability. That, by the way, these are allegations, but should they prove true, I don't see why it's any more horrific than just the straightforward of get you know get involved in Afghanistan in the first place, and my concern would be that the government and the army does what it always does in these circumstances, which is pick a few individuals and hang them out to dry, right. instead of looking at why we're there in the first place. I mean, there's precedents for this. I mean, you look back even to the Boer War. Um, there was we put on trial four Australians for sorry three Australians for shooting Boer prisoners of war. The fact of the matter was, and it's been subsequently proven, that the, the order to kill Boer prisoners of war came from Kitchener. Um, but obviously Kitchener denied that. The British were keen to show the Boers that they were an honest broker and that they could be trusted to, to run things. So therefore they made a show trial in a kangaroo court and hung three Australians out to dry for uh, for shooting uh, Boer prisoners of war. Now, as somebody, as the character that Edward Woodward plays during the film Breaker Moran, which is about that uh, very thing. It's based on a book called Scapegoats for the Empire by George Whitten, which is worth reading um, because there's so much contemporary resonance. You'll hear, you'll, you'll see phrases in that book and hear phrases in that film like, it's a new kind of war. Right? And you, you hear that, they say that about every kind, every war. This is a new kind of war. Um, and we're, you know, we're fighting against people who are not dressed in uniform. You know, the Boers were not dressed in uniform. Uh, you know, they, should, they didn't play by the normal rules of war. They, they shot at them from paddocks. They shot at them from from out from farmhouses. You know, they they done hit and run raids. Basically, very much a guerrilla war like what the, the the Taliban are fighting against us in Afghanistan. And when they they, they cashiered these guys, you know, one of the things they said in court was, "Look, well, did we shoot Boer? Yeah, we did. You know, it's customary in a war to kill as many of the enemy as you possibly can. And this idea that we have that you can fight some sort of clean war is utter bullshit. Right. War is the ultimate madness. War is, as Anthony says, judicial killing, judicial murder. You kill people. Now, I'm not saying don't get in a fight. I'm saying if you get in one, you better know what your objective is and you better know what's involved. And what it involves yeah. is killing people and killing people in the most brutal and horrible ways. And the longer the war goes on, yeah. uh, the, the more protracted it is and it becomes a war of attrition and especially guerrilla war, you will you cannot avoid that kind of stuff. It's it's gonna and by the way, these are allegations that I stress, but should it prove to be true, uh, my concern is that they're just going to hang out a few guys sure. to dry. And if, if it does also prove to be true, it could actually be, be the end of the Special Air Service as a regiment because there's a there's a there's a tendency to say you know if you wipe the name, then you can probably wipe the shame. So you you get rid of the unit and then you start again from fresh because it's been that tainted. But these look like serious allegations. Um, yeah, and it's horrible. 
but that's fucking that's war. What that's it's that like, is what will happen. You know, when so when you when you saber rattle and say we should get involved in this war or that war, then be aware. That, you know, okay, SAS, the SES are killing civilians. The fucking we're dropping drones on fucking villages and wiping out entire villages of civilians. Is anybody kicking and screaming about that? Oops, sorry, you know. It's oh, not really it's our fault. Damage. Yeah, it's collateral damage. Right. Well, <laughs> these guys that the SAS are killing, these, these, and by the way, civilians, that's a tough call sometimes in a guerrilla war. I don't know if they're just randomly selecting people and doing them in or whether it's just faulty that, intelligence. Know, can, uh, people can go nuts when, they, when they're put in that position where you have to shoot people and be fired at. Yeah. You know, after a while, it's going to take its toll and certain kind of characters it will end up doing things they never thought they'd do um, not recognizing themselves because it, it warps your personality. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? I think in You're under stress, severe stress for days, months, months at a time. And the tragedy of these events is that they're seldom done by abnormal men, but they're done by normal men in abnormal situations. And to judge soldiers in the field by civilian standards is, is an absurdity. But you, you know, you better know when you get involved in a conflict sure. that this shit's going to happen. To that, yeah, out to do this. And then there's another um, school of thought: um, the objectivists uh, yeah. at the Anne Rand Institute. Um, they have a view that if you get in a war, it's like fuck him. Basically, you should you shouldn't think about any ethics at all. You should just do whatever you need to do. You shouldn't go out of your way to kill civilians, but you shouldn't worry about killing civilians right. either. Uh, I said, saw Yaron Brook, who I think's very good on some subjects. Yeah. Be all like, um, you know, bomb the infrastructure, uh, and this is like, it's so irrational for my mind because they're so individualist on economics. Yeah. And when it comes to foreign policy, they're just like, well, you know, if you live in that country, then even if it's a dictatorship and they'll kill you if you rebel, yeah. you're responsible for that government being in power. So. You're, you know, all of a sudden the, the collective punishment comes out. So I guess the thing is, what I think is, you know, it only took September the 11th yeah. to convince America to go to war on Afghanistan and Iraq. Yeah. No, I don't mean to diminish it by saying only, but that was one attack. When you think about the number of attacks that have been waged in this region, the... the um, the amount of resentment and hatred mm -hmm. that this is stirring up and putting probably and you know as you know Ron Paul famously brought it to people's attention, putting us more more at the risk of blowback. Um, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily the case in this condition because yeah. I mean these are people without the resources to do any damage to us. But you know, people can. Uh, uh, it's just um, it's it's on no level is this rational mm. it's in fact it's suicide you know and uh, for, um, in terms of i had to all get into controversial territory here right. but, you know refugee crises and things like that yeah. that they're sparked off by these conflicts and then you have the alt-right saying oh, you know all the stuff about immigration and things like that well you know one leads to the other it's like a, a wheel that keeps on turning you do not if you fight fire with fire, all you get is a bigger fire. Yeah. But I've got a question to ask you, sure. given that we're sort of agreed that it's probably impossible to write a clean what um, yeah, fight a clean fight war. A clean war yeah. Should there be international standards? Should there be stand and you know, on the other extreme, it's just like the Anne Rand Institute's view, which is if you go in, just do what you've got to do to win us a decisive victory. It doesn't matter how many, um, how many. Yeah. you smash as long as you get that omelette made. Well, you know, the, the reason we have conventions like the, the Geneva Convention, for example, now the Geneva Convention is something, you know, there are certain countries that signed up to the Geneva Convention. The Taliban are not signed up to the Geneva mm -hmm. Convention. So when that guy, so when the Royal Marine shot that Taliban fighter, and he was a Taliban fighter, right? He was wounded. They said, they just decided to finish him off and said, there you go, shuffle off this mortal coil. You can't, there's nothing that you wouldn't do to us. Um, and he said to the he said to the guys who were with him, um, you know, guys, this is uh, 
you never seen this. This is expressly against the Geneva Convention, and it is. But you know, we fought. Well, British fought wars in, uh, against the Boers. We fought wars against you know uh, the fuzzy wuzzies we used to call them in Sudan, uh, um, the dervishes. We didn't give them any Geneva Convention. You know, we just blew them, blew the shit out of them. Um, so. I think with the convention, there are certain things that are beneficial to both sides. Um, for example, uh, you know, don't poison water supplies. Right. Uh, that makes perfect sense because even though you're in retreat, tomorrow you might actually be in advance again. Mm -hmm. And when you go forward, that same water supply that you've just poisoned, now you can't use it. You've also got forward units, reconnaissance guys and special forces are going to be way behind the main bulk of the army, they're coming back and they're going to need water. So, you know, poison water is just a bad idea for everybody. However, um, it just depends on how badly you're getting beaten. You know, if you think you're, you're, you're on your way down and it's not going to, uh, you know, there's no benefit, you're fucked anyway, yeah. basically. Then all the all these kind of conventions yeah. go to ratchet. You do whatever you think. Yeah, you, you do what you do whatever you think you need so, to survive. And so I way, think it, I don't think it's bad to have these conventions, but you have to sort of get a grasp on reality that, as like, well. Yeah. Stay out, <laughs> stay out the war unless it's you know unless it's in your defence. Um, yeah, it's a war of defence basically. Just think about these things before we go to war because that kind of stuff uh, will be a reality, and you know we. <laughs> I'll say finally this, how many civilians do you think the Allies killed in their invasion of Europe when they went to drive the Germans out of uh, France and Holland? The civil I mean, I, I, I urge you to actually take a look at that. The civilian casualties just in D-Day plus 10 was absolutely horrific. We probably killed more French in the first part of the D-Day landings than the Germans did in their entire occupation of France. Um, now you can make the moral argument that they were, were there to fight fire, uh, but the fact of the matter is we killed a shit over the civilians. Um, Barack Obama sent troops to Afghanistan knowing that there was going to be collateral damage. He got a he gets a, a, a peace prize. He gets a Nobel they, Peace they Prize. They have them in packets of cereal now. Right, okay, I'm sure they do. So he gets a peace prize and yet, if these guys are found guilty, uh, or, you know, it's discovered that these allegations are true, they'll probably hang them out to dry and they'll be evil men, uh, whereas the guys who it's actually tender. took them into the war in the first place will remain untouched. Yeah, no one's, no one's been put on trial, no one's seriously... Um, this, the leaders of states can only be tried in their own courts, more or less. Yeah, and, uh, and it's a victor's court then. Sure. Yeah. To anyone viewing, um, if you want to chirp in, there's yep. just a few of you, so you, we, we do monitor the video chat, so let us know what you think. Now, someone who is who was against the war, was he against the Afghanistan war? I think he was, yeah. Um, but is not a big fan, you're not a big fan of? Uh, Jezza. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn. Jeremy Corbyn is dangerous. Um, now, I have to admit, I, when he first came on the scene, you know, when he made his appearance a couple of years back and he was, mm -hmm. became the leader of the Labour Party, uh, I kind of had a grudge and admiration for the fact that he was principled. I think his principles are fucked up, <laughs> but he at least had some principles. Um, and, you know, he was kind of this avuncular old lefty on a bike, you know, and kind of, you know, it was all very uh, quaint. Um, but that's kind of wore off now. He's not an avuncular, uh, you know, lefty on a bike anymore. He's actually serious, and he might actually become prime minister if we have a general election. Do you, so? Do you know what? In a world where Donald Trump can become president, I think anything could happen, and we could end up with Jeremy Corbyn as prime minister of this country. And I think that is dangerous because the man is—I hesitate to say—unhinged. But his policies are absurd. They're insane. You know, they're not even bullshit. They're nonsense. You, you know? know what? But though uh, Stefan Molyneux would say, that's not an argument. It's not an <laughs> argument. <laughs> so, well, what is an argument? What? We, well, so why is this? Okay, tell right. me, well, tell let's me just, just look at something um, something recent. Okay, Grenfell Tower 
the tragedy that, that happened in London, where the, the block of flats burnt down. Terrible tragedy. Oh, People were hurt. Um, but it's been used as a political football by the left. You know, um, you'd honestly think to listen to their rhetoric that Theresa May snuck in there at three in the morning or whatever it was with a, a big jerry can of petrol and set fire to the place. I mean, that's the way they're going on. Um, you know, it was an accident, a terrible accident, and it shouldn't have had, it would not have happened had the, the cladding not been in place. Um, but, you know, never put down to conspiracy, which can equally put, put down to incompetence. And I think the, the, the council were basically incompetent there. But regardless, what regardless. That's what happens when the state runs the house thing. Yeah, who would have thunk it? Eh? Um, if there was some sort of centralised sort of group of people who could with deal with it. The, the use of force. Yeah, yeah, yeah deal with this sort and of And all thing. the guns. Um, but after that, when they were talking about rehousing these people who'd, been, who'd, uh, who'd lost their homes, Jeremy Corbyn said, well, there's lots of rich people around uh, who have got more than one house, they've got two houses, they've got three houses. We should, in effect, what he was uh, advocating was commandeering people's property. Can right. you commandeer property? I know you can commandeer a vehicle, but uh, yeah, it's like he wanted to just, yeah. not even compulsory purchase, just basically steal, take people's houses off them and give it to people who'd lost their homes. Now, even with the best intentions in the world, that's dangerous because as my esteemed colleague here has pointed out as soon as you give government carte blanche to appropriate property at will it's game over right that's the end of civilization that is the end of civilization because they go right no it's just those houses you know they're not occupied they're speculators it's property yeah. speculators bought those houses well why did they buy the houses first of all because it's the government inflated the house prices so they turned houses into an asset but that side it's like oh it's, it's they're not being used at the moment anyway so we're just going to put people up there for a while right yeah okay but then it's like oh well there are there's there's rich people that have got to and there's a there's a book and uh, there's um an Anne Rand book your favorite one uh, we the living yeah and um, the heroine Absolutely. in that book has a, a kitchen and the the state decides that she's overprivileged because she's got too many rooms so they move uh, a woman into her house they give, give her one of the rooms and then uh, they move someone else in and, and before they know it they're living in half of a room or whatever yeah and um, this is like the idea is again it's coming back to that fixed pie the idea that the amount of wealth is the amount of wealth if you need i'm not like if you need more housing, build more housing. But I tell you, what's not where they're not going to build more housing if the housing companies know that at any time. Yeah. And um, it can be appropriate. It can be appropriated. So this is going to have the reverse effect of like everything government does pretty much has the reverse effect of what what is intended. You cannot admit that it, and it's easy, it's an easy target because people think, oh, those just rich bastards. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Those rich speculators don't, uh, you know, they're just uh, exploitative, yeah. right? Don't hate the player or hate the game. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, actually, an interesting point, it's sort of an aside, but people just generally see speculators as a bad thing. Yeah. But on a free market, speculators actually play a very important role yeah. uh, because they will balance out the prices of goods over time. So let's say it's oil. Well, when, when the oil dips in value, the speculators will buy it up yeah. and then it'll go up in value again, supply and demand. When it goes to high value, the speculators will start selling it and that will mean there's more supply. So the price will come down again. Yeah. So they have a normalizing effect. They're not, they're not actually necessarily evil. Now, the reason why housing is never meant to be an asset. I mean, as soon as you buy a house, you've got all these upkeep costs and things like that. But because of short a shortage in the supply of housing and uh, depressed interest rates and um, money printing, people went, oh, well, I'll just put all, the, all my money into, the, uh, into property. Yeah. Um, and that will... And that will be a safe bet. That was never meant to be the case. That's all because of government. Why don't the left talk about this stuff? As you know, 
Is it too complicated for them to wrap their head around? Well, it's just easier. It's more populist just to tell people, you know, that you're going to give them free shit. You know, right. we're going, we're going, all those rich stop. bastards over there, we're going to take their houses off them and we're going to give them to you. Um, and it's, that's how it starts. Then it's, well, you've got a caravan mm. you know, in your driveway or whatever, and you don't need that. You're mm. just sitting there empty most of the year. You could have a family in yeah. there. Um, why are you, you know, why have you got two cars? Right. You know, you could, the state can take one of those yeah, and give it to somebody got, who doesn't have a car. Why have you got a bank account? Yeah. That's so ridiculous to have a bank account while there's people starving. Yeah. So you should just, like, we should just take the money out of your bank account. Why are you locking your bicycle up? <laughs> You know, why, why, why lock your bicycle up? You know, some that's selfish of you. Somebody who doesn't have a bicycle could actually use that bike while you're in the shop or while you're you're at work. You know, and if they don't bring it back, well, that's fine. You can just commandeer the next bike you see lying around. Um, this is I know, and the, the people don't have to go. Well, that's ridiculous. That'll never happen. Well, do you know yeah, what? This ha shit happened. did happen. It's happened before several times. Um. And it didn't happen until it happened. You know, it's <laughs> like, it's like, oh, well, you know, people who were in a dictatorship, you know, before it was a dictatorship, it wasn't. You know, right yeah. up to the point it was a dictatorship, it wasn't a dictatorship. So it, it can just happen very rapidly. Yeah, it's like people know what they want, what what they don't like, right? And they react against it. Like the people of Russia or the revolutionaries knew they didn't like the yeah. Tsar, right? But they didn't have they didn't really know what they were doing when they got into power. They, mm -hmm. No one knows how to centrally plan an economy, never mind enough. Well Jeremy Corbyn said. clearly thinks he does. He does. You know, and this is the thing, he wants to nationalise the railways. Yeah. Uh, let's Well, he wants to nationalise it. Uh, as far as I'm aware, the rail the nail really anyway, hello, that's easy for me to say. The railways are publicly owned at the moment. It's just the, tra the, the the trains themselves that are privately operated. Would I be correct in saying that? Yeah, well, we've got some facts here. The infrastructure track and stations are all owned by the government, and some are even managed by the government's nationalised railway company, which is Network Rail. Yeah. The terms of... Uh, I don't need to read that, but the rolling stock that runs up and down the lines is procured by the government around 40% of rail fares, including season tickets, any time and off-peak tickets are regulated so the government is in control of how much they cost. The government is also responsible for all capital spending on the railways as also the maintenance of tracks, uh, signalling, um, and, you know, yeah. so... We, we so so, what, so what, what would be worse here? What would be better? Would it be better, as Jeremy Corbyn writes, well, if, you've got, if it's going to be national, you might as well nationalise it. You know, why but that's not what he's saying. He, yeah. he seems to, they're, seem, they're promoting a myth that the reason why the trains are bad here is because of um, privatisation. Yeah. Right, wait a minute. Let's. How about you just make it or take away the laws so that anyone who wants to can buy a bus and take people from A to B and stop messing around with Uber and the gig economy? It's like the same thing as these houses. People are like, oh, house prices are so expensive. We need to have rent controls. Like, how about you just build more freaking houses? That's what would happen on a free market. But oh no, only the government and a few small companies are allowed to build yeah. houses. Similarly, you need a license to run a bus company. What the hell? Who gives them the right to say what people do with their own vehicles and who's allowed to take someone from A to B and not? If you want the trains to improve their performance, Make them have to compete. Yeah. Mega bus. There, there's a stop. Their sleeper service. They were doing this uh, overnight bus from yeah, Glasgow yeah. to London. It was cheap. Uh, you could get um for maybe thirty quid or something like that. Uh, but they had stopped doing it because they because uh, there was lots of cheap flights. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And it's like they're telling people to come out of the planes because of your global warming and stuff like that come out of their cars but there's not a diverse services of railways and, and bus companies as an alternative to planes and cars so and that's because of the government it's yeah. all because of the government do you see the real running uh the running theme here people yeah. it's all because of the government and, he, and finally i mean on the jeremy corbyn thing for me he, this is recent appearance at Glastonbury, really? which I only saw a, a brief glimpse of, but it's really tedious. Why, sh well, okay, I mean, Glastonbury looks as if it's full of twats anyway. Um, 
So I guess a lot of the people at Glastonbury are just the kind of people who would love to listen to Jeremy Corbyn's bullshit. But there's probably lots of people there. I mean, why, if I'm at a rock gig or a, a music festival and I've paid to see bands, why the fuck should I have to listen to Jeremy Corbyn or any other politician chuntering on about their pet peeves, you know? Um, they should just get a podcast and do it like yeah. this. <laughs> I'm surprised that more politicians don't have podcasts by now. Do you know what I mean? Because we're at this stage in history where if the media misrepresents you, you can have your own say. Yeah. Um, maybe it's a, if they embrace it, then yeah. the gig's fucked, yeah. basically. As soon as politicians start accepting the new mediums like YouTube, then that really is the death of the mainstream media. Yeah. So we've got some comments from Dot Shots uh, or Dot Hots, who knows? Uh, he says, uh, if a private company was responsible, they wouldn't stop at just meeting the building regulations of the day because they'd be out of business if something went wrong. Yeah, and, you know, how's the government to know centrally what the best building regulations for all places and all times are? The, the, the fact is, you know, if you get a place that's a bit more shoddy, you'll pay less. And if you get a place that's a bit better, you'll pay more. And there's nothing wrong with paying a bit less if you want if you want to put money aside for later. Moral hazard, when the government gets involved, the only consequences is more plunder and funding. Plunder, good word. Yeah. Jeremy Corbyn is a looter. A looter. That is exactly what he is. Now, don't get me wrong, Theresa May is a looter as well. She actually believes in using the force of government to relieve you of your hard-earned cash in order to pay for things that she thinks, uh, you know, that you should be robbed for. But uh, I think Jeremy Corbyn takes it to new heights. He is, really is an old school He's lefty. very, very, very left. Very, very, very left. Yeah. He was praising Venezuela and so forth before. Well, they're not laughing now. <laughs> I mean, did, did the fall of the Berlin Wall just pass these people yeah, but by? That's not real communism. Oh, my God, yeah. I keep forgetting that. Right. So are we done with Jeremy Corbyn? I think we have to be done with him. I yeah. feel I however, wish the British we were done public with yeah. is not yet done with yeah. him. Yeah, we're going to hear a lot more from Jeremy Corbyn, I feel like he belongs to a different age. It's not the 70s anymore. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like Stone people, age, ice age. People, mm. should have, people should know better. We have the internet, the Scottish Liberty podcast, so that you can learn the truth. Exactly, exactly. Um, so uh going to go on to uh, Delicious Dogs. Uh, first of all, question for you, Anthony. Does does eating meat violate the non-aggression principle? Right. And I I, I state steak. I will state my put my colours on the mast here. I am a died in the wool carnivore. Right. You are a vegetableist. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm a no, you're, you're I'm not a militant vegetable. I'm not a mil militant. Uh, hammer bashing. Uh, stop meat as murder type but do you know what i think if we can get people to accept that um spanking children is a violation of the uh, non-aggression principle then maybe we can discuss animals my main problem with the arg like i'm not saying that it is but i'm saying that most of the arguments that i've heard for why it's not right are incredibly poor okay. so someone will say something like uh, well, you know, animals can't reason, therefore um, eating them is not a violation of the non-aggression principle. It's like... Well, what about a human being who can't reason? Exactly, right? You just pulled that out your ass. What 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 makes whether or not they can reason the uh, relevant data? Hmm. Surely whether they can feel pain or not might be a bit more of a relevant data than whether they can reason. Like, Because whether you can reason or not, if it hurts, it freaking hurts, right? Then you hear... Uh, Stefan Molyneux actually said this, and it's a very poor argument. And um, this is many years ago because he didn't—he doesn't quite get the the sequence of reasoning properly. He said, "Well, you know, we don't put an insane person in jail for killing someone because they can't reason. So, you know, we, we don't—we don't say." But wait a minute. There's a difference between a, a a moral agent and a moral object. So. If someone with dementia kills someone, we don't call that murder. But if you kill someone with dementia, we do call it murder. 
Right. Yeah. So just because, you know, just because supposing we do decide that um, it's better not to kill animals uh, than to kill them. Uh, and uh, then that doesn't mean that we need to go around arresting lions for eating zebras or anything right, like that. Right. But it does mean that, uh, you know, outside of a, a desert island situation, uh, um, you would, um, you ought not to be doing it. I wouldn't jail people for it. I think, as I've said before, if we could just get rid of farming subsidies, which artificially inflate the price of meat, um, and de sorry, artificially deflate the price of meat and dairy, including the grains which they subsidize uh, for feed, um, then uh, people would eat a lot less meat and that would be a free market solution. Someone did ask us to do something on animal welfare. Well, we'll, go, we'll, we'll, we'll probably do a whole show so, on it, um, but the reason I, I'm getting into this, the reason I ask, I spotted a, like, an ad in the Metro today, right? It's not a small thing, it's actually for looking for volunteers. Uh, and it's for volunteer vets and veterinary assistants and they're needed in China. And there's a thing at the bottom of it that says uh, no to dog meat. Okay? Right. And what baffles me is, I mean, okay, you can say it's okay to eat meat or you can say it's not okay to eat meat. Where does this hierarchy of taste come from? I mean, what, what, why is it appalling? Why is it okay to eat? Chickens, rabbits, cows, pigs, sheep. I mean, pigs are fairly intelligent. Oh, very. Right. So, so uh, eat pigs. But people get their knickers in a twist if they find yeah. out that somebody somewhere is eating dogs or cats or whales or, or you name it. Right. So why, what, what, why, yeah, horses. Like people really get fucking offended by people eating horses. Uh, and I, I, I kind of get it, but I don't. I kind of get that you, 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 people have dogs and cats as pets. Right. Therefore, there's, a, there's a, some sort of attachment involved there. And they go, oh, that could be my dog or my cat. I mean, it's, 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 but there's no, I don't get the moral argument against right. not eating dogs. Why is eating a it's dog crazy. any worse than eating another kind of animal? I've got, yeah, I mean, my, my dad, I remember my dad was saying that it was, oh, it was wonderful that they banned, they'd now banned dog meat in one Eastern country. I don't know which one right. it was. And it's like, what the hell? Like, what are you talking about? Why are you saying that? You know, why are you for that? You eat, you eat meat. And he, he like, automatically got defensive and couldn't respond to the argument it was just like oh well i just think you know people have feelings about that i might have feelings about you eating yeah. a cow yeah. do you know what i mean yeah i'm not cool with it personally i i, I would prefer if people didn't it well look at what's you know happening what I and mean? uh, you've got militant hindus in right. india at the moment uh, killing muslims and killing christians over their consumption of cows Mm. And their consumption it's of a meat holy animal because to them it's a holy animal, um, so they're offended by that. So, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, if you're going to eat meat, then anything's fair game if you forgive the the, the, the pun. But if you if you're not, if you're going to be a, a vegetableist, or you're going to be a vegan. I get that argument, um, but I really I find it, it's the inconsistent. I really cannot understand. Is it because dogs are cute and wag their tails? Um, I know mean, if, if if cows done cute things, if chickens done cute things, would that uh, would that make us feel differently about it? I really don't know. What what's what's our what do our viewers thinking that? What do our sure. listeners thinking that? Does is eating meat against the? Does it violate the non-aggression principle? And why? What is your reason? If you think we shouldn't eat dogs, if you think we shouldn't eat quails, if you think we shouldn't eat uh, you know any uh, cats, any other kind of animal. Like that, Give us your reasons. Why do you think it's okay to eat a cow but, or a chicken, yeah. but it's not okay to eat a dog? I had that, uh, again, a very similar experience. I was at dinner at my parents' house and uh, the cat uh, caught a bird. Yeah. And my mum was really distressed by it and, you know, called her a bad girl and things like that. I was like, mum, it's her instincts. And what's more, look what's on your plate. She was eating chicken, chicken right? It's just, it's so irrational. It's like... Um, I don't know. It's so what, and also, if you think that eating meat is definitely not against the aggression principle and it's all fair game, 
why do you think that it's not of moral co consideration or consequences um, that animals have to suffer horrendously uh, in, in poor conditions and, and then die just so that um, people can go to, fat people can go to McDonald's and get fatter? Yeah. Uh, just to put it in the most uncharitable way, like I'm, inter I'm interested in hearing people's yeah. views. I mean, if we kept dogs I, in conditions that we keep chickens in, Right. There'd be a national outcry. No question. Yeah. No question. So I'm 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 not saying this in a moralistic way, but because I don't really discuss it very often, I'm interested in hearing your your views. Yeah. I'm not. I've, and if you've ever eaten a dog, if you ever tasted it, tell us what it tastes. Please don't say it tastes like chicken. Every fucking thing apparently tastes like chicken. But yeah, uh, tell us what you tell us where and when you ate it and uh, what it tasted like. Um, should we move on? Or do well, sure. what's, what, what actually what's what, anything coming in from our viewers or listeners? Um, oh, well, um, Society of the Spectacle mentions that uh, factory farming, keeping the animals in those close, closed conditions necessitates the use of lots of antibiotics. And that's true. And it, and it may be one of the causes of the superbug that wipes us out, you yeah. know, that you're giving all these anti, and none of the antibiotics work anymore. What's more, you know, then when people stop eating meat yeah. uh, and become vegetarian, they start getting a cold <laughs> because they're so used to having their daily dose of antibiotics right. Right. that they, um, you know, the body is not used to it. Well, I uh, guess for, for libertarians, there's a bigger question because if it, if it did violate the non-aggression principle, then is it then right for government to make legislation and make laws and enforce it through violence? Yeah, and I personally, I wouldn't be comfortable with that, even though um, I'm, I'm not comfortable with people eating animals e either, although I keep it to myself you know, because it's kind of polite. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, it would, but as I say, I think, do you believe that society is advanced? You know, we had Thomas Jefferson writing about the abolition of slavery while he owned 200 slaves himself. Right. You, you know, um, James Madison wrote there should be freedom of religion uh, into the Constitution and owned yep. 100 slaves. So the brightest minds of the time had um, slaves. So the thing is, if, if you do believe that society is advanced, then I think we're a long way off from the point where you could... You can't even get people to stop. Like, I mean, look at the schools, right? We we send we say it's all about the children. We send children to school for eleven to thirteen years to get bossed around, told what to do, their self-esteem and um, propagandized. Propagandized. They either come out of it a compliant people pleaser or a rebel or some. You know, I think we could be. Do I think the human race could be doing a lot better. Yeah. Even with the information we have, we don't need to make any astonishing discoveries. We've got a lot of evidence on how to educate people. Um, we've got a lot of evidence on free markets working and we don't need these farming subsidies. I mean, the meat and dairy farmers are always asking for, uh, oh, we can't sell our milk at profit. Good. Mm. Go out of business then. Yeah. You know, change your freaking job. Uh, I wouldn't be adverse to as an interim position while you stop those subsidies to give uh, that cash for people to retrain since they've been brought up to be dependent on it. Right. But um, yeah, they should go out, if they can't turn over a profitable good, they should go out of business. The price of meat and dairy will go up, less people will consume it, and that would be a, a step in the right direction. Okay, so again, the market's the solution, not government. I think so, I think so. Well, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. It's this week's Cuckle-Doodle-Dude! And uh, I've decided that this week's Cuckle-Doodle-Dude is your favourite and mine, Justin Trudeau. Yeah, see it's that, that man. See that. Yeah. He's always actually the Cuckle-Doodle-Dude. Yeah, he's, we, he's... we just don't call him out every week because we need some <laughs> diversity. We do need a diversity of cucks. Um, but he's uh, he was at Edinburgh University uh, this week and... Uh, he gave a rousing speech, apparently. Uh, obviously, at Edinburgh University, it must have been a really wanky speech because it, it couldn't have triggered anybody uh, in all those safe spaces. Edinburgh University is one of these universities that's got safe spaces, trigger warnings, 
Um, it's a breeding ground for the most worst, least favorite type of rabid feminist man hater. Mm, and, yeah. and, and Edinburgh is absolutely full of 20-somethings that have these radical views, yeah. more so than Glasgow is. Yeah, entitled uh, bints. Um, They're um, very privileged themselves. What's the male version of a bint? Uh, cucks. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, uh, told graduates to be bold, be brave, be open to incredible opportunities and, you know, and be really sensitive and snowflake Original. as well. Yeah, so he got an honorary degree uh, in being a cuckold. I'm interested in my honorary degree in economics. I think I've earned mine. I think you could get a, 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 a degree in uh, smoothie making. Okay. There was such a thing. There probably is. There's probably a whole module on it at Napier. And you can get uh, government funds to send you through it as well. <laughs> yeah, help yourself to other people's money to get a degree in smoothie making. Uh, that you could get just by experimenting and making through. So he's he's from the uh, he's from the poorly titled Liberal Party of Canada. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, the, these people should get sued under some, some such a trades description type thing if that such a thing exists in Canada. Uh, if there's any Canadians out there, uh, let Shame us know. You. Tell us your favourite cuck moment from uh, Justin Trudeau. Uh, he's got so many of them to choose from. Um, where is he from? Is he, is he a Quebecois? Is Justin Trudeau a you Quebecois? Can't get I'm, I'm guessing he has a French name. of Canada unless you can speak both English and French. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. You cannot be Prime Minister or President? Yeah, because you, you can't get into a high role because people will just not accept it. Shocking. <laughs> You have to be very good at being bilingual. So yeah, anyway, uh, Justin Trudeau, for no apparent reason other than you're just a part of the party that's called the Liberal Party, when it's not liberal in any way, shape or form, you are this week's Cock-a-doodle-dude. So do we have anything else for our lovely listeners? Well. And viewers. And viewers. Um, I think there was something. Well, but... I can't remember what it was. Well, we can save um, that shit for next time. Yeah, I was going to say, do how? What's new? Like, how do you think the liberty movement is going? Well, that's a good question. Uh, the liberty movement, where in particular? I think it's doing very well worldwide. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's doing particularly well in any given uh, place. Um, Scotland, mm. as you know, it's an uphill battle. Yeah. It's a struggle to try and get. There are lots of people out there on the internet. You're all hiding. Mm -hmm. uh, there's lots of people uh, on online who are liber libertines, uh, libertarians, but there ain't that many. Um, well, it's, it's very rare. I mean, how often do you? I mean, I very rarely meet anybody whose opinions coincide with my own. Never mind somebody who's an who can who can actually say, oh actually I'm a libertarian. Mm. Um, but there's there, I've, there's a few people that are sort of libertarian minded, but they never really and I've at least made well, a couple. Well, didn't them. know that they were libertarian until they were introduced to the word. But, I guess I mean you've got the what, what was the conservatives for liberty? Yeah, and I wish that they wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I just wish it look just. Fucking make a choice, motherfucker, make a choice. Are you a you know? conservative? Are you a cockservative? <laughs> or are you a libertarian? A you libertarian. Know? Yeah, a libertarian. You know, yeah. you know, make your fucking mind up. Yeah. Um, you've got Theresa May, who's booted you in the peas. You've got, uh, you know, what's her face in Scotland? Um, that looks a bit like Kim Jong-il. Uh, <laughs> You've got Davidson, Ruth Davidson in Scotland, who I honestly don't know. I think she just went to join the Labour Party and walked into the wrong office right. and ended up by She's some comedy of errors uh, as, the the leader. as the leader of the Conservative she Party. Has to come I mean, she, she's quite formidable in debate. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not disparaging her, uh, her aptitude, her aptitude uh, for the job, but I am disputing her Conservative credentials. Never mind libertarian credentials because she doesn't have any. I mean, I did. When remember when I was when I ran yeah. against her, I ran against uh, Ruth Davidson in uh, the Scottish elections. 
for, for the MSP. She was running for, running in Edinburgh Central, which she won by 500 votes. I got a total of about 100 and, 130, was it? 130 yeah. of it. Okay. Better than a boot in the boss. Better than a boot in the stones. Um, and as we were about to go up onto the, the podium thing to get you know to, to get the election result read out, I said to her, uh, Ruth, it's not too late to join the Libertarian Party. And uh, she turned around and she went, oh, well, there's a Libertarian streak in all of us. A healthy uh, Libertarian streak. Yeah. Well, you couldn't make it a bit more fucking obvious, could <laughs> yeah, you? Please. Yeah, please. So I would like just to under, uh, encourage any Libertarians who haven't, please get on meetup.com, get on Facebook. We need link activists. Up, link up, we need activists. Link up with people in your area, even if it's just for a social uh, yeah. to start with. Um, because it's like, when people are going to change their political opinions, if they do, they're also going to be um, changing their values. And you have got to have um, community to bring them into. And I always try and encourage people along to our meetups in, in Scotland. And wherever you are in the world, meet with other people face to face. It's not nice feeling excluded. If you've got any stories of good libertarian meetups and things that you've gone to from all over the world, please leave them in a YouTube comment for us. I want to say that we actually had some fans of the show come to visit. Yeah, came one of the, the libertarian meetups. Yeah, yeah. So a uh, thank you to Matt and Stacey for coming out. Big shout out. Yeah, big shout out. So they were touring in Scotland. They got in touch with me because they liked the show and they, and we uh, we gathered the trips and, and you know, you want to be able to make people feel welcome. Yeah. Uh, so you need community and it's good for you. It's good for you. Good for you. It's good for you. So good for you. Don't just sit behind a computer screen. I'm going to say as well that we had a uh, a little bit of a state visit about a week oh, ago right. as well. Um, we had Vit Yedlichka of Liberland, the president of Liberland. If you're not familiar with the Liberland project, check it out. Just type Liberland into Google and you'll find probably the Wikipedia entry and you'll also find their, their website. Liberland is basically a strip of land between Croatia and Serbia. It's about seven square kilometers. And they've set it up as a libertarian micronation. They have a flag, they have a constitution, and they have a president who's Vit Yedlichka. And he visited our libertarian uh, group in Edinburgh, and we had a great night. And we have some footage and uh, an interview with Vit Yedlichka. And hopefully we're going to get that up soon so you can watch yeah. that. He's an interesting guy, a lot of good things to say. Um, and we wish the Liberland project all the best, and it was great to see them there at their Libertarian meetup as well. But yeah, we need we need you. Come on, get out the closet, you people, and get to the meetups and start getting active because it's just not going to happen on its own. So until, until next then, time, don't be a righty or a lefty. Be, be Libertarians. Libertarian. Thanks for everyone who tuned in live.